0: Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20th service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. We're in the middle of this series, I'm Not Alright. We're going to do tonight, we're going to have one more week next week, then we're going to close her down, we're going to crank something new up and it's going to be extremely exciting, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because that leaves you hanging in wanting more. Now, for the last... Probably for the last three years, um, I've been, relaxed. I'm talk about this one more time. I've been working out at a gym called Orange Theory. I've been trying to get in shape. Basically what happened is three years ago, I looked in the mirror and I said, something's wrong with me. I'm not taking care of myself and I wanna make some changes. So I started going to work out. And years later, made a lot of progress, lost some weight, doesn't matter how much, feeling really good. But then about a year ago, something started happening to me that none of you probably know about. And what that is is, I started coming home on Sunday afternoons, after church, after having taught usually once, if not twice, and I would get home from church and we would have lunch together, my family and I, but I would just, you ever been just so starving, you'll eat whatever's in front of you? I know we can relate to this. Okay, I was doing this on a weekly basis. Every Sunday, I would just eat and eat. I was so hungry, so hungry. And I would get to a point where after I was finished eating, a few minutes later, I would literally feel sick to my stomach. Now, this had never happened to me before. Not like this. And then it happened again. And again, and I noticed that it became a trend. Now, I'll be honest, it wasn't every single week, but it was more times than not. And I didn't really think too much of it other than this is really weird because I eat all the time. I eat a lot all the time, and I've never felt this before. But for some reason, on Sunday afternoons, no matter what I eat, when I got home, I experienced this phenomenon, if you will. And not too long ago, a couple months ago, I was walking out with a teacher that I used to co-teach with, and I, it, somehow it came up in conversation and I told him about this. And, uh, and he said, you know, your problem is not physical, it's spiritual. I was like, what do you think you are? How dare you say that to me? Do you know who I am? And he dug into it. And you know what we realized? It wasn't that I was starving physically, though, of course, I was hungry. Sunday afternoon, been teaching all day. What was happening is I was so drained spiritually, from teaching and pouring out, usually two lessons a week and just pouring out, not to mention Thursdays and Wednesdays and everything I had had been poured out, poured out, poured out that by the time I got home on Sunday, I thought I was just hungry, but I was actually physically and spiritually hungry. And so what I was doing was trying to fill the spiritual need with the food. You See this? And when he said that to me, and he just, he's one of those guys that just drops truth bombs and walks away. He just said it, and and I was like, dude, how dare you talk to me? And then I thought about it, and my mind just was like, I don't want to be mad at you, or just look at you like, you are so smart. This is genius. It makes so much sense. Now, why am I telling that to you? Because what we're going to look at tonight is we look at eating disorders. What you're going to realize is there are some that are genetic. There are some that um, are spiritual, some are physical, some require medical help, others are us just taking better care of ourselves. There is a magnitude or a wide range of ways this affects different people. And what I wanted you to hear from me was that as odd as it may sound, because it sounded odd to me as I was digging into this, but what I realized is, hey, I was actually falling into one of these categories as well, mainly because I wasn't realizing the root of what was going on? So, that being said, I want to jump into this tonight because here's the truth food is a, a problem. Okay, if you look at our culture, some of you are like, I'm eating, don't say this right now. All right? but food is a problem. Now, don't, don't judge the Taco Bell. All right, look, we ain't made of money around here. Okay, so you'll be all right, just eat one taco, don't eat more than one, you'll be fine. Some of you are like, too late. Okay, but the reality is. Food in general, particularly in America, it is one of the things that is killing us. Some would argue that we are literally eating ourselves into the grave because of the things we eat, the way we eat, the habits we have, the cultures we grew up in. Food's such a prominent part. It's such a central piece when we're having conversation and dialogue with family and friends and parties and get-togethers. But the reality is, if we're not careful, food can be such a detriment to us. Now, the reality is this. Tonight... Is not really about that, though it's a very important point for you to hear. Tonight is about the things that are happening inside of possibly even some of us here. Tonight, And so here's what I want to walk you through, Uh, and I want to give you a little hint. At the end, we're going to actually hear a testimony tonight of someone that's walked through some of this and how she's gotten through it. So be on the lookout for that, but that's at the end. Okay, let's go through a few of these eating disorders because I want to lay them out for you so that you can better understand what we're talking about so that this impact on you can help. And remember, as we've been talking of all of these topics, sometimes they're directly for you, and sometimes they're for people around you, connected to you. Meaning when you get home tonight or when you encounter your sister or your brother the next time you see them or maybe a parent or maybe a friend or maybe a classmate or a co-worker, what God is doing is preparing you and I first to take care of us. But then second, to be ready to help take care of others, to be there to meet our friends and family in their time of need. So I want you to be careful to not write it off if it's not directly for you because you never know how the Lord might be able to use this. Now, first I want to do is show you a couple of these eating disorders. You may be familiar with them, but I want to make sure we really understand them. The first one is anorexia. Anorexia. So this is typically a person that's really got a fear or even an obsession of not gaining weight or becoming uh, overweight. This is... A major fear for them, this is a problem, it's constantly bothering them, it's something they're always thinking about, and how someone with anorexia will respond is they will restrict calories, they will only eat specific things, or in general, they'll just skip meals completely. Now, don't be careful, because remember, if you just skipped one meal, okay, whether for your schedule or you weren't hungry, it doesn't mean you have anorexia. This would be over an extended period of time. But nonetheless, this is the basics of this problem. And listen, this is a problem. Okay, This is a very real problem. Now, the other one is bulimia. Now bulimia has a similar standard. It is a person that's afraid of gaining weight. They're obsessive about their weight, wanting to to not become something that they don't want to be. But their response, in change of just not eating in general or in some form of that, they will actually binge eat a whole lot and then they'll go purge it out or get rid of it and typically in the form of throwing up. Okay, this is one you're probably familiar with as well. This is a very common issue that happens particularly in America. So there are two differences here, but there's a third one. It's one we don't really think about as much, and this is binge eating. Binge eating, okay? Now, this is someone that just eats an insane amount of food. Now, listen, some of you guys are big dudes, and you eat a lot, and it's okay, But there is a line here for all of us, okay? And so with binge eating, typically this is a person that feels like they cannot stop or they cannot control how much they are eating. That's a very important characteristic because there are times when we eat a lot. Again, buffets are probably why America is dying, but... Reality is there are times when we eat a lot, but it's when you have no control. You feel like you have to just keep eating until you can't stop. That is early warning signs, if not signs of what you are going through. So anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating. These are kind of the the three most common. Now, who's at risk? Okay, let's talk about this a little bit. 20 million women, 10 million men, at some point in their life will struggle with an eating disorder, okay? Listen, that's a lot of people. 20 million women, about 10 million men, at some point in their life will struggle with this. The most frequent age is under 20. We know that. We know that. We see that in high schools. It is a constant problem, constantly growing. But the reality is, this young room, okay, makes up for a huge demographic of young adults, and it can be a problem. It also, as it reaches more women, or tends to affect more women, it is the actual anorexia is the third most common chronic disease illness. Okay, so what we're saying here, what we're we're solidifying is that this isn't just a little something we slide under the rug. This is something that your family members or your siblings or maybe even you yourself have probably dealt with, dabbled with, or are currently struggling with. So we have to be aware of these things and we can't stop but first to look at ourselves. A couple other things I think are important. Half of the individuals struggling with eating disorders also struggle with the symptoms of depression. Remember what we talked about last week? We talked about how depression is its own thing, but it is often linked to not only anxiety, but also to eating disorders. And unfortunately, most, most people, not most, a lot of people that struggle with eating disorders will take their own life, statistically speaking. So this isn't just something that affects what you eat or how you, it is something that truly is affecting the livelihood of people. Now, what's at risk? Quickly, some things to notice. With anorexia, you slow your heart rate, your muscle gets weak, you have severe dehydration, you could even have hair loss, so don't think about that very much. Okay? But because the food is not staying in your body, these are some of the side effects over time that happen. Now with bulimia, remember this is those that take a lot in and then purge it out. Your electrolytes have an imbalance. You have tooth decay because of the acid from your stomach that's constantly coming out when you throw up or when you vomit, sorry to be gross there. Uh, the possibility of ruptures of the stomach. These are serious things that come from these issues. Now with binge eating, we have kind of the, the opposite side. You have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, and diabetes. Diabetes, big time in America. It is genetic, but it is also self-inflicted by many people because of how we eat. Most of those people, can I should be honest with you, most of those people started at your age. Because they had rocking bodies and they could eat whatever they want and nothing ever affected them. And then they got older and they realized that even though they didn't see it, what they were putting in drastically affected their well-being. So these are all things we want to be aware of. Now, eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. The highest mortality rate of any mental illness. We need to understand this. Now, what's really going on? When it comes to eating disorders, for those of us that are disconnected from it, we look at it and we go, I don't understand that. That doesn't affect me. That doesn't bother me. I don't get it. How could someone struggle with this or, or where is this coming from? Well, first, there is times that it's genetic. The struggle is genetic. Something that's happening internally that they can't necessarily, they didn't do it to themselves. It's just reality. Oftentimes, it's social. It's the environment around you. It's the way you think of yourself. It's the way you think of your situation that forces you in to respond in this way. It's also psychological. It also can be a mental thing that needs coach and helping and counseling to help navigate these thoughts and these feelings. And so these are some of the different ways that this affects people or how it is generated. Now, it can be treated sometimes on an inpatient level, sometimes on an outpatient level. On an inpatient level it means you're gonna to have to go somewhere. You might even have to check yourself in, or that person that you're working with, that loved one that you care about, might need to check themselves in so they can get the professional help they need. And because these often happen behind closed doors, they need to actually be checked in so that someone can help to monitor them. Now, that's not everyone, okay? But that is a group of people that really need. That help. On the other side, you have the outpatient, which is, these are the folks that with counseling, with some psychotherapy, with the right people around them, the right attention to their medical behavior and their eating, their nutrition habits, they can work themselves through with the help of the loved ones. But the reality is, this is something that's going to need attention. And because most people don't want to be uncomfortable or labeled as someone struggling with some form of a mental illness, they will keep it quiet. And so oftentimes, the people that love them most or that love you most will have to pay attention to what's happening with you if they're going to notice that this is taking place. And same for you. Same for you. I've watched my brother, my sister, family members, cousins that I have. I've watched them go through ups and downs in their life. Some downs have been... Lower than I'd ever want to see them go through. And I got to tell you, some of these signs, not always with just eating disorders, but some of these signs of the things we've been talking about, I begin to see kind of surface to the top. And these are things that I wish I had been better prepared for back then so that I could have walked with them better. And so what we are learning about now, this is the kind of thing that can really help someone you love. So we know that sometimes it's genetic, sometimes it's psychological, sometimes it's social, your environment, the people, the way they talk about you. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's spiritual. I want to read to you a couple verses. You may remember this story. It's a, a very famous story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Anyone heard of this story before? Okay, so John 6 tells us this story about how Jesus and his disciples, they're out, they're doing ministry. Everybody sits down and Jesus decides, we're going to feed these folks. So they go through the the progression, they talk about how we don't have enough food, it's better to just send them home. Of course, the the, the disciples are doubting a little bit. Hey, let's let's just move through this. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want to do this. So what's available? Let me pick up the story real quick. I just want to read a few verses to you. Here's what they find. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Now, this story could be unpacked for three years, so I'm not going to tell you every detail, but I want to mention a few things. First, this isn't a loaf of bread like you'd buy at the grocery store and two big old bass fish. I don't know if you eat bass. Do you eat bass? It doesn't matter. This isn't like that, okay? This is more like crackers and sardines. Crackers and sardines. The sardine wouldn't even really be considered a, a fish like you and I would go fillet and eat. It would be more like a spread you would put on the cracker. This is what the lunch was. Okay, his little Lunchable. Mom packed one, so he's happy, but it wasn't very big. All right, he didn't play football yet. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about fives in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. Okay? Now the point of this story is there's many different principles we can pull from this, but here's what I'm looking at. I was looking over this story, I was thinking about what we're talking about tonight, and if you look ahead in this chapter, there's one other verse that makes you think of something very interesting. In verse 35, it says, I am the bread of life, Jesus speaking, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Now, I don't know about you, if you're a Christian in the room, can I just ask you, have you ever just, since you've met Jesus, do you still get hungry? Do you? Yeah, right? Okay. Okay. How about over here? Uh, When you met Jesus, do you still get thirsty, right? Well, then this whole Bible is a joke, right? What a waste of time, because right here it says in 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. All right, that'd be awesome, right? No more wasted money on Taco Bell. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is awesome. Sign me up, Jesus, because I'm working out all the time. I'm always thirsty. This is gonna be great. The reality is he's not talking about the physical. He's talking about the spiritual, He's not talking about food. He's talking about what happens in your life and in mine. And so as I was thinking about that, and then we're looking at this passage of the feeding of the 5,000 and how Jesus provides for the needs and meets the supply for the people in their time of need. Yes, he's meeting them with the physical, but why is he meeting this group of people with the physical? So that they'd be ready to receive the spiritual. Because without the physical, they're not paying attention. For you and I, When Jesus says, I come to give you bread, I come to give you drink, or I come, what does it say? Come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest, right? How many of you have ever been tired? You go, oh Lord, I need that verse to come true. That's not what it's for. That has nothing to do with your restfulness or your sleep. It's all about the peace of your soul that is satisfied when you meet Jesus Christ. See how this works? So there's a spiritual need that if it's not felt, you are gonna be left wanting and desiring more. So what do we fill it with? Well, sometimes we fill it with food. I did that every Sunday afternoon for about three months, just eating myself, eating, 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 because I was, didn't realize that there was a spiritual refilling that needed to happen, and I needed to be careful to not try to do it with food. We do it with relationships. I am desperate for my person, just bring me the one, Lord, please, Lord, Lord, please, I've been patient, I've been waiting for 18 years of my life, now it's time, bring me the one, and we are looking to fill a void in our life with the person, and what happens every single time? We're let down, it's never enough, We try to fill it with money, we try to fill it with career, we try to fill it with education. Some of us fill it with working out. There are a multitude of things that we pursue in life that we try to use to fill the void that only God can fill. And so hear me clearly, what we're not saying is that all eating disorders are spiritual because that is not true at all. But I can tell you from my own testimony that there are some that is the case. There are some people, maybe even in this room, so hungry for the fulfillment of God that they're desperately searching every other place. Don't exclude drugs and alcohol from that category. Anything we can put our hands on to fill what's missing, and some of us have no idea that the very thing missing is sitting right in front of you, all around you through God, the solution and the peace of life. So we can pray that verse, Lord, I'm tired, please don't make me weary, but the reality is until we understand what it means, we'll never experience it. Until we understand what it means to have the bread of life and to be filled with thirst of God, we will never truly experience fulfillment. Now, that being said, I could get up here and spit off a bunch of statistics and tell you a bunch of different things about eating disorders and you'll go, well, that's great, maybe it's helpful, maybe it's not, or... I could do those things because I already did. And then I could invite someone up to come and have a little conversation with us and to tell us about her journey, how she went through this, has come through it, and what it's like on the other side. So, would y'all join me as we welcome Meredith up to come and share a little bit of her story? We're gonna have a little, I have a stool, don't worry. We're gonna have a little conversation. We're gonna relax a little bit. We're gonna hear her story. I'm gonna, by the way, while we're getting this part set up, Uh, Thank you, I want you all to know that she's actually been helping me a lot in the process of putting this series together. Uh, You may notice a lot of the things I've said to you recently, if you're around here a lot, are not things that I'm normally talking about because they're things that I was not as familiar with. But as we started doing this series and realizing how much we needed to cover some of these topics, uh, what we realized is we had some people in the audience, particularly her, that could really help us navigate that. So that being said, would you tell us Meredith, a little bit about what you do to help kind of connect the dots for how we got here with some of this information tonight. So like my job? Yeah.
1: Okay. So what do you do? I'm a social worker. Um, I went to Baylor, sick and bears, and got my bachelor's and master's degrees in social work. Um, When I was getting my master's degree, um, I concentrated in physical and mental health. So I have a very deep knowledge base on mental health disorders.
0: Sounds like someone we'd want to hear from, right? That's, that's a good deal. Hey, what by the way, what happened tonight? Did you win something or did you get something oh tonight? Tell us real quick. <laughs>
1: So I posted on the Facebook um, and the Instagram. Um, I got Employee of the Month in May, and like my company like waited until like the third quarter to do the second quarter and third quarter like awards. So got Employee of the Month this past May. So not
0: bad, right? That happened tonight. <laughs> she was racing over here afterwards. So okay, so let's jump into this. Tell just tell us quickly about kind of how you found yourself struggling with eating disorder, and then kind of just just walk us through. You know what it was like how, what what did what put what helped you not necessarily push through but to kind of move through it to get on the other side and then now what what is helping you kind of keep from falling back into that because we know that's a big problem yeah. as well so walk us through a little bit of that just through yeah. your story
1: um so i was formally diagnosed with bulimia when i was 16 years old and i am 25 now and it literally impacts me every single day of my life um as long as I could remember food was not just food it was something that I like needed and I was honestly obsessive about it like even I can remember when I was little I just always wanted to eat I always wanted more and when I was seven years old my parents were like okay like she's getting kinda chunky we need to put her on a diet so when I was seven I was put on my first diet so as a seven-year-old I was like you know what's wrong with me there's something obviously wrong with me this thing that brings me comfort it's bad but it's so good um, so then kind of like continuing on as I was growing up um, I would just use food as a source of comfort like whenever I was happy whenever I was sad whenever I was angry I always turned to food and that's not good it's not healthy I was gaining weight and by the time I started middle school I was getting bullied a lot Um, I was bullied for my weight, Um, people would just make jokes about me, but I was like, you know, this is something that makes me feel good. And so by the time I started high school, I mean, you're constantly surrounded by people that you want to impress and you want to be interested in you. And, you know, you want to impress all the boys and get them to like you. But, you know, whenever you feel so terrible about yourself and you have people telling you you're overweight, like kids at school making fun of you, your parents putting pressure on you that's really hard. Um, so I resorted to, well, what I can do is I can eat like so much food and then I can just throw it up and it doesn't have to affect me. It doesn't have to hurt me. It cannot hurt me because it is not staying in my system. So when I was about 15, that's whenever the cycle first started happening, is I would just eat all this food like without anybody knowing because I would come home my parents wouldn't be home my brother wouldn't be home I would just eat all this food and then just throw it all up because I wanted to feel full emotionally and physically but then it scared me so I would just throw it all up and so it really does a lot of damage to you I had like broken blood vessels all around my eyes Um, my gums were eroding I had like so many gastrointestinal issues it was awful and so now, real quick, I want to ask you okay, one, just yeah. go, I don't
0: want to throw up too much, but so when you were eating the food in your mind, did you already decide that you would throw it up or were you almost experiencing the binge part first and then it hits you? I can't do this. Like explain um, that to us really quick. Yeah.
1: So what's, it started out as I'm eating to feel good and then I would throw it up. But then as you know, the years went on and as my disease progressed, it got to the point sometimes where I would eat just so I could throw it up. Yeah um, so when I was 16, um, I didn't tell my parents and like I hid it from everybody because I was embarrassed. Like it's embarrassing still, where it's like, wow, like you can't think about food normally. Like hmm. it's embarrassing. You don't want to talk to people about it. Um, so my parents sent me to a therapist because they're like, or no, a nutritionist first because they're like, you know you're about to go to college, you're 16. Um, we want you to have healthy eating habits. So in the process of talking to my nutritionist, she realized that what I was doing and she was like, hold up, wait a minute, like there's something going on. So that's when I first started seeing my first therapist and she identified and diagnosed me with bulimia.
0: Now, well, I want to ask that really quick because there's a stigma around here and we've talked about this a few times that if you go to counseling, right, you're, you're messed up, there's something wrong with you. And obviously we know if, if we go to counseling, it's because something is wrong, but did you have that experience, and then even now, looking, looking back on all the years you spent in counseling, and maybe still are, like, tell, t- yeah. convince us that it's okay. <laughs> That's what I want people to hear.
1: If there's anything that you take away from me sitting up here tonight, it is, therapy is amazing. Counseling is amazing. Um, so when I was 16, I got the help that I needed, um, got to a place of healthiness, and um, and then so to, I'm going to answer your question, kind of looking at the other parts of my life where my eating disorder has really impacted. So I go to college, um, Baylor, second Bears. Um, and my sophomore year, I was just swamped with work. It was so hard. I got shingles one semester of my sophomore year, and I was 19. I was like, "What is going on? That's what old people get. But I was so stressed out and I felt like I had no control in my life. And so that's another underlying thing of my eating disorder was comfort and control because I could control how much I was eating, what I was eating, but then I could throw it all up and it's fine. Um, So when I felt like my life was completely out of control in college, I relapsed into my eating disorder because I was like, I just need that comfort. I just need that control because I don't have it right now. Um, Fortunately, uh, my university did provide free counseling to students, so I took full advantage of that. Kind of worked my way through those things, worked my way through um, those feelings that I was having, and I was good to go. Um, Still had a couple of issues here and there, but whenever I would, I would still go back to therapy at Baylor. Um, So, fast forward to when I graduated with my master's degree, Um, I'm originally from Dallas, um, and so I love Dallas, Um, I love the Cowboys. Um, but the last place that I ever, the last place that I ever wanted to move to was Houston. Like my friends have actually told me, Meredith, you said the last place you would ever move to in the entire world was Houston. So why are you in Houston? Um, the
0: Lord led you home.
1: (laughs) Um, well, so my first job out of college, um, I got hired to be a social worker for Texas Children's Hospital. And I moved to, as I said, a new city where I didn't know anybody. I didn't want to be here. God had called me here for whatever reason, and I was so upset, and I felt so out of control. So I had another relapse into my eating disorder because I just wanted to feel not lonely. I wanted to feel like I had control over what was happening in my life. Um, Fortunately, Texas Children's also provided free therapy for their employees. So I got this really cool therapy. If you ever want to talk about therapies, let me know because... I also, if I get a certain licensure, I could be a therapist, but I don't really want to do that right now. But anyway, I got this one kind of therapy for people who have gone through trauma, and my therapist identified that I had childhood trauma from how I viewed food and how I viewed myself. So I went through that to realize, you know, my value, my worth. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, we got this. We're good. This is not a problem anymore. So then... Um, I always say the end of 2017 was the worst part of my life. Um, Long story short, got out of a bad relationship, lost my job, had to move to Katy because I was living in Houston, and then I moved out to Katy for a new job, but then I lost that job. Um, I also lost my car, Um, but the best thing that came out of it is that's when I found my home at 2nd. But even then, you know, Sometimes those things, like, you work through them as much as you can, but they still catch up to you. So earlier this year, I relapsed yet again into my eating disorder um, just because, you know, you can't escape it. You have to constantly work at it. Um, You have to um, do everything that you can to be proactive and seek help and seek therapy and seek um, comfort and things that are good and that are not detrimental and not harming yourself, so... Thankfully, second offers free counseling for members. Um, If there's anything that y'all can get from this too is therapy is good, free therapy is the best. Um, I mean, I've never had to pay for therapy all four times that I've gone because it's always been available and there are so many resources out there that you can use to get the help that you need. So um, what helps me now is obviously therapy, Um, please go to therapy. If you even have an issue, like, try it out. Do a one-hour session. See how it makes you feel, and then, I mean, if you're good, then you're good, and if you want more help, you can always go get more help, but you're only using an hour of your time, and that's an hour that you're watching Grey's Anatomy or playing a video game. I don't know what you do in your free time, Um, but try it out because it's, even though I have a, I have a master's degree in social work where I know about my eating disorder. I know, I can tell you the diagnostic criteria for it, but I still needed help because I couldn't do it on my own. I needed the help of my therapist and honestly the help of God because, you know, it takes a very strong person to admit that they can't do things on their own because we need the strength from Christ to really help us through everything because we can't do it on our own. Um, Also what helps is I have amazing friends and People who I can turn to and say, yo, I feel like eating an entire pizza just so I can throw it up. And they say, wait a second, let's think through this, let's process through this and talk about it because that's not healthy. Um, another thing that I can recommend is if you do struggle with an eating disorder, you're not alone. Um, it's really This is really hard for me sometimes to talk about just because, as I said before, it is embarrassing, but you're not alone. Um, there are so many people who I've talked to that do struggle with it. Um, but so just seek out help and seek out people who can support you and love on you. Um, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Can we say thank you to Meredith for sharing with us, encouraging us? I'll take that. Thank you so much. And if anything, the Lord brought you here even for just those few minutes to help us navigate. You know, it's, uh, it's, nice, to, it's nice to know there's people that have gone through things, have allowed the Lord to do work in their life, and are willing to share. Because, man, it's it's encouraging to, to hear not just the struggle, but to hear that the struggle can be overcome, and also to see that it's not a perfect. It's not perfect. Uh, it doesn't mean the struggle is over, but it also doesn't have to define who you are going forward. And that's the power. That's the power, ultimately, of the Lord being able to do that work. I want to share just just a couple of quick thoughts as I was listening to her and thinking about, and, and again, I know this room, it's hard to tell, maybe there's a few of us in here going through some of this in some form. Uh, maybe it's none of us, but I, th- I believe tonight, after tonight, the Lord's gonna start popping people up in your mind going, hey, here's someone you're gonna get to minister to, be found faithful, be found faithful. But here's what I wanna say in case there is anyone here. Uh, number one, you have a voice, and that voice is your your best first step, okay? Because until you bring this out into the open, it's gonna be something that happens typically behind closed doors and we're gonna to have to work really hard to find you. And the truth is, in life that we live in, the culture we live in, it's so fast paced moving, there's so many things going on in everybody's life, it's easy to miss some of those easy signs right around us. And so what I'm saying to you is if you struggle or if you're talking to someone that struggles, remind them and remind yourself that you have a voice and as soon as you bring this out into the light, the help and the process can begin. And that'll start with the Lord. And then it moves into people. So I want to encourage you with that. The other thing is uh, is you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Okay. She said you're not alone, that's right. And you're also you're not crazy. This is uh, this is something that is very prevalent, whichever one it is that you might be struggling with. And so don't don't beat yourself up and don't feel like you're the only one and isolated and you can't ever talk about it. The best thing you do is talk about it, but also understand that you're not crazy, you're not you're not alone, and that this is this is doable. This is doable, but the first step again is to talk. And then finally, I just want to say this again. This, the rest of your life does not have to be determined by whatever mental illness we've talked about that affects you, but in particularly eating disorders. This does not have to determine the rest of your life, but the steps you make right now radically impact what the future looks like. But a key steps was going to counseling, going to get Help. And for some of us, that's it. And for some of us, that's the answer in other categories, not just in eating disorders. And I just feel like we can't say that enough from the stage that you may need help. Don't be foolish and think you can do it on your own. Yes, the Lord can heal supernaturally. Okay, we've said this every week. Yes, the Lord can and does heal supernaturally. And by all means, tonight, as we're singing, you may just need to lift up to the Lord. I need your supernatural healing tonight. But if he decides not to, then know that there are people around here that can help you and that want to help you. And yes, there's free counseling here at this church. Most of your insurance companies will set up a way for you to get free counseling. You just have to be willing to talk about it. But we want to be a voice of hope for you and through you to other people. And I hope that's what you're experiencing as we navigate through these topics. And um, I just, I pray if you are struggling with any of these things and you wanna talk, we're available. We'd love to visit with you tonight.